0: Hello, and welcome back to Conversations with Claire. This is, I think, going to be like episode 48. So on the cusp of 50. Uh, Okay, so today my guest is one that if you can't tell in my voice, which you already can, I'm just a little excited. Um, It's Hannah Eden.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here as well.
0: Um, Okay, so so who... uh, they're going to know already, but if they don't, you are the founder of Hef Tribe, and you have a training app, which by the way, that stands for Hannah Eden Fitness, and then you are also the founder of, is it FYR, FIRE?
1: We go by both, Sounds okay. to Find Your Reason.
0: Yes, um, which by the way, I have one of these water bottles that you gave me at one of your events. Epic, And I love it. Uh, okay, so that is an apparel company as well, so gosh, here's what's so cool. Okay. So I always like to start with just, okay, you're also a wifey and a mother. We're going to talk a lot about that. Um, but I always like to start with the, how we met. And so what I love about my move to Austin, Texas last year and just immersion into this industry, which there's just so many fitness professionals here that are just like amazing you're on the roster uh i'm so glad i made the cut oh wait i now that we're here i mean i have had i created a list all the way back whenever i launched my podcast which would have been just over a year ago uh A list of like potential guests, whatever, and you're on that list, so I could go back to it and check you off now. That's
1: awesome! (laughs) Manifestation, Uh, it's a real thing. I love that.
0: Yeah, I need to go back and look at it, but anyway, uh, so we met because I came into On It, I was just coming around for some different event stuff, and you were there, and so I just didn't know like there's this whole microcosm of these On It athletes and so on, and of course, now like I literally work there, which is crazy, but I didn't know, um. So your backstory is still pretty unknown to me. Like my no, what I know of you is what I've known of you since we
1: met. Oh, that's awesome.
0: Which I love. Yes. And I just... Juicy. You're the coolest. Um, but I don't know your history. Like I don't know how long you've been in the industry. I don't know how you even got started with any of it. So I know that I want to spend a lot more time talking about your recent life events. But you've been in the fitness industry for a minute. Yeah,
1: it's been a while. Um, let's see if... Give me the timeout signal if I'm just... Dragging this story on for way too long. (laughs) Let's go. But I remember signing my contract with a gym, which was CrossFit, was how I got in as well, in 2012. Shut up. Yeah. A friend of mine, I was working in the night industry in a very toxic lifestyle in South Florida, raging my face off, having the best time, but not living the the most healthy lifestyle. And one of the guys that I work with that became one of my best friends invested in a CrossFit gym. And back then it was like, cool, but not that cool. You know? You said 2012? 2012. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was... It was coming up. Yeah, yeah, It's coming up for sure. So I jumped in and, um, like I said, came from a really toxic world. So I was used to trying to seek for something. Wasn't really sure what I was looking for. Mm. Try to work out CrossFit. I was like, oh, shit, this might be it, you know, and this is something that is beneficial for me versus toxic, dark, whatever. I have a very interesting history and childhood. So I fell in love across CrossFit as an athlete, got my level one, then I got my co- uh, my NASM. I did all my things to become a coach. Mm-hmm. And my coach at the gym that was the owner was like, hey, you're thriving at coaching CrossFit, but we have a class at 7.30 p.m. that we can't fill. It, people aren't showing up for it. Let's try something different. Let's try like a boot camp approach. And that's when PumpFit began, which was my equivalent of trying to chase the same feeling that CrossFit could give you, but eliminating the the barbell mm-hmm. and trying to reduce as many barriers of entry as possible so that my friends from the bar world would come try it because mm. as soon as I said come to try CrossFit they'd be like that's a fuck no like, yeah I'm gonna turn into a man and I'm gonna die like so <laughs> dramatic yeah. you know so I was like yeah. all right let's make this friendly and so we did and we appealed to the masses and we managed to fill that class and people it was only three days a week seven thirty p.m. people were driving like an hour to get there I was like holy shit like we're on something here yeah. and I'm loving this I worked really hard at trying to make my dreams come true, of making it to the CrossFit Games, but it just was not me. You know that was this never. This is so on the... freaking cool to yeah, hear. Yeah. I did not know this yeah. about you. Okay, that okay. was my. I think my most proud moment was like top fifty in the southeast region. Whenever they used to divide. Yes. So I had an entry way back in the day. Yeah, Regionals, yeah. But I was never strong enough. Mm. I never understood strength training. We trained. As heavy as we could every day, which is not the right way to train, which led to a severe back injury. So in 2014 into 2015, I couldn't even tie my shoes up. Like I'm talking like push through the pain, don't tell anyone you're hurting kind of thing. And it's like, this isn't what health and fitness is well
0: and if you were at that time this is just because the sport itself has made such progress which i started to pay attention to the sport from afar in like oh nine so through that like i i was from afar um paying attention so you were probably doing pretty high volume yeah every day
1: yeah high volume or uh we would follow we had a great we didn't end on great terms but we had a great weight, weightlifting coach okay but he was a cuban man that had a very different methodology so we were maxing out all the time okay you know so it was either high volume or max out but we had no cycles we weren't there was no rhythm or maintenance or accessory work it was just like let's lift hips and heavy shit all the time yeah and it led to bulging discs tear torn ligaments and just Bad. And me too. I was extremely ignorant. I didn't know what I was doing. I was getting right into it.
0: Well, none of it's inherent knowledge. Like you have to learn. Totally. And even, you know, at that time, would you just come in and hit a workout? Like what were yeah. your warm no warmups like? Yeah. See, and that's the thing that's still baffling to me because, um, I very much, anyway, like my emphasis on like, you will have a good warm up, or you will not train yeah, with me, totally, me
1: too. <laughs> because if you learn from your own mistakes, for right? sure,
0: because you injure your back or yeah. you do whatever and you're like, Oh
1: yeah. yeah. And I managed to kind of eliminate the option to have serious uh, treatment done by just looking after my body, focusing on mobility, strengthening end ranges. So that's all that we do now. Right. That's what yeah. we did in our gym. Yeah. So to cut a long story short, I committed my life to CrossFit. Yeah. then right it was like sad in hindsight it was I was totally committed but it was miserable because I was in pain I don't think I went maybe I would have made it who knows it was more of a Sam Briggs kind of athlete than having any strength background you know I know she mm-hmm. built it but her engine was what took her to the to the end totally kind of thing. yeah So I made a decision in 2015 when that class I told you about that was thriving. I was like, why don't I just put the effort that I put into this athletic career Mm -hmm. into business? Because I also liked aspects of business. I was going to school for photography. I was understanding about marketing. And so that's how I built that class so well. And I ended up having a bit of a fallout with the gym owner, which won't say names. Super grateful for the opportunity to build my brand inside of that gym. But I wanted to go off and do my own thing. And he didn't like that at all. So I did. And in 2015, I opened up my first gym, which was Pump Fit Club in Fort Lauderdale, which was amazing. The best time in my entire career. We built a kick-ass program, which was high-intensity interval training yeah. and a v- variety of different types of interval training, focusing on mobility, animal flow, kettlebells. We didn't have any barbells. It was group fitness, but like personal group fitness. It was yeah. very small groups and we crushed. We had the best time ever.
0: Well, and that was probably I mean, I feel like that's still unique, but I now being here in Austin yet again, this whole unconventional world yeah. is so like a thing here whereas like moved here last year in Oklahoma where I was, nobody's doing right. that, you know? And, and they so back then. that's what I was going to say is even like in Fort Lauderdale, you were probably so different.
1: Totally. And this is all aligning with doing certain projects and certain jobs with really big brands. So while I was starting CrossFit in 2012, I started Instagram. And I remember it was like a joke amongst my friends. Like all the boys would be like, honey even fitness, like making fun of me, right? And it was like a joke back then because yes. it was nothing, which yeah. is a reminder that you don't just do it and it appears. Like it was people making fun of me, people mimicking my workouts, mm-hmm. you know, because it was all this high intensity stuff. Mm-hmm. In, and I was in a CrossFit gym, so you can only imagine that back, especially back then, not so much now, but it was either like CrossFit is life. Right, right, you know? right. Either like you're, like you're doing those specific.
0: Yeah, this actually makes me think real quick of something that I, that I shared last week, that's just really resonated with me and a, a number of different people is this section of your life, right? This specific period where you're starting to transform how you're training and it's different enough that people don't understand it. And then you're also launching onto social media well before other people, uh, have come on to the idea that they're going to utilize this thing for business or for anything. So this just reminds me of of a quote that Chris Williamson said that's quite popular, uh, about, you know, the messy middle, the lonely chapter and how there's that phase of your life. So I'm just regurgitating what he said, but it was so beautiful is like through that chapter of your life, you had to go through the period of like, okay, I'm no longer the version of me that I was the out late at night, partying, living this crazy lifestyle, whatever it sounds like, you know, Miami, whatever. Um, to, I'm also not yet who I am today because today you sit here and like, you've done the work to earn the reputation and you're still obviously getting after it and doing more, but you were in that messy middle and it just reminds me of when I started to create content as well. And everybody like literally like not everybody, but people videoing me and making fun of it. And I guess the reason I even want to point that out is because the messy middle is something that nobody gets to escape, Mm -hmm. you know, to become the version of themselves that they ultimately want to be and feel driven to be. They have to be willing to go through that lonely chapter.
1: Yeah. And I think some people that have made it, whatever the hell that means. Right. Seriously. Become, become, becomes quote unquote successful. Yeah. We forget about that stage. Yeah. And I think that's why people resonate and why the heft tribe continues to grow because I constantly remind myself of who I was then in that messy middle. Mm. Right. Cause that's the, that's the turning point that it's hard. It's lonely. Like you said, Yeah, but you have to believe in yourself and there's so much doubt. I remember even friends I lost a lot of really good friends that yes. were like, you're changing. And back then I was devastated by someone saying that. And now I'm like, fuck yes, I was changing. Yeah, Thank God I was changing because who would I be if I didn't make those changes, you yeah. know, which were hard, which were, I'm a totally different person. And I continuously become a different person. I read this thing last night and we're doing daily stoic yes. philosophy with the baby. right? And it's like, do we become new people? Because we shed skin. We grow nails. Does that become a new nail? Or are we the same person that is just evolving into different versions of ourselves? Mm. And that's like open-ended, right? So like you, you get to decide. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think that I keep dying and having rebirths. Like I keep coming back. as mm-hmm. like leveling up, leveling, leveling up. And I'm sure we'll get into it. And now as a mom, it's like, holy fuck. This yeah. is a whole new level that I didn't <laughs> think was possible. And I was seeking for it and doing extreme uh ultra races or whatever i was trying to do was me trying to find these new levels or new layers and it's like okay maybe it's not the same it's different but it's exactly what i'm looking for so it's the same thing it's like that messy middle it's just evolution yeah and it's hard because if you're in a space where you want worry what people think of you and you're constantly wondering and allowing other people's opinion of you to be what determines what your results then you won't get to the best version of yourself because mm-hmm. you'll be afraid of who that person is, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's it's important to talk about the messy middle. So I love that.
0: Yeah, and it's that grief too. Like you were grieving the loss of those relationships. But so you in, in Have Tribe, you do a good job of remembering that. What are some ways in which that you, because like we're literally, it's 2023, so we're over a decade out from when you started yeah, which is all wild. of this. right? And so- how do you, like, what are things that you do to help yourself remember? Because certainly, like, even for me within recovery, like, we have specific actions that we take to remember who we yeah. are.
1: I think it's just being vulnerable. Yeah. And I think that it's important that, obviously, I'm in a different season of life right now. Strength-wise, aesthetically, in all the things, right? Yeah. Which has been extremely trying, which we can get into, of, like, trying to balance or find harmony amongst all these different roles that I'm I'm living right now. Yeah. But I think it's important that we remember that even when I was in the best shape of my life, the strongest I would ever been, I didn't wake up every day feeling the strongest and the best. I still had the same thoughts that I had when I had no strength and when I had no success or whatever that meant. Yeah. So just remembering that that it's the same but different. Mm-hmm. It's like it's the, it's relative to every individual, but it's same. At the, the struggles are the same. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. you don't get to a point and you're like, oh, you know what? I made it. This is it. Like mm-hmm. the, there is no. This sounds cheesy, but there is no finish line, right? You just keep going Mm -hmm. and you're going to, I personally have experienced the same struggles, but in a different version every time I've gotten to that quote unquote finish line. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just being vulnerable enough to open up and talk about that and not feel like I've made it so much that I don't need to talk about the struggles because they're real. They're so real. So it's just being authentically vulnerable with my audience and my community and sharing and, and elevating I think uh, we have an ambassadorship program where we elevate certain people within the tribe and they become extensions of my voice. So then they're in a different place. They're almost like at the same place that I was once and we get to hear their voice in a different version that just echoes what our mission is ultimately.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely just, from the distance that I've gotten to enjoy getting to know you, I mean, like, because you live far enough away, so we get to see each other occasionally, but not super frequently, but I do get to observe via social media, right? And I've absolutely, immediately, like, I have tremendous respect for how human you are and obviously that's what resonates like that's clearly what's resonating but you've been doing that for a long period of time and you continue to show up human which is really really cool so it doesn't surprise me that it resonates with your people so with your tribe I love that you're using the term tribe okay (laughs) so I want to go honestly just like straight to today like you I mean and and so were you trying to get pregnant (laughs) yes okay yes
1: but Yes and no. It's actually a funny story. So, Paolo and I have been together since I was 19. We have been together for a very, very long time. Before fitness, before red hair, before boobs, like before everything. In my most raw form of this yeah. struggling, lost, little, scared girl, right? So, Are we, y'all the
0: same age or is there a bit no, of a- No, Paolo
1: is six years older than me. Okay, cool. Okay. So, he's 38. Um, and we had an amazing life. We chose, to, we chose business as our first child and we- Put our entire lives and selves into what we have built mm. and we continue to do that in a, in a different version nowadays but we traveled the world we did all the things we lived so large that there was absolutely no way that kids were going to fit into that equation mm. and i remember thinking having conversations and pal would be like when are we doing it i'm like i just need like a couple years and i was saying a couple years for like seven years eight years nine years right yeah and then after the pandemic the pandemic rocked me on a personal level of like Okay, what are we doing here? Like, where are we chasing? What are we going for? My health, that's why I don't have red hair anymore. My hair was falling out because I was just working and working and working and burning out, just constantly living in fight or flight.
0: Where were you living at that time? Fort Lauderdale. Okay, so you were still in Miami. Still I living in Fort Lauderdale. Miami, Miami, Miami you, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, they're, same, they're hopping a skip. Yeah, yeah, real, real
1: close. Um, <laughs> but I was never home. I was traveling so much, working, committing myself to other people that I forgot or I don't think I ever knew really who I was. Uh-huh. So during the pandemic, I did a little like, okay, what, what's important to me? What's not important to me? Where are we going? What's the reason behind all this grind? Um, and I started to understand what, what mattered to me. And as much as I had great experiences, I gave myself to everyone, but the people that I love the most. Mm. So it was this, again, a death and a rebirth, the biggest one I've ever had and really having this identity issue that went down. Um, but we went on the road and lived in an RV for a year which was the hardest year of our relationship. Dude. And then we made the decision on that trip. Like, let's have kids. Let's find somewhere in Texas outside of the crazy so we can have peace amongst this chaotic life that we live. And let's start a family. Like, I'm not getting any younger. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'll be 40. You know, like, I remember having that conversation when I was 22, 25, 27, 28. And there I was at, like, 30. Like, shit, okay. Let's have kids. So we tried so hard. And it wasn't working. And I'm talking like peeing on sticks, scheduling sex, like the most unnatural way to conceive a child, right? It was what we were, I was trying to do because I had this idea of needing it and being in control of it. And then I had a crazy experience where I went to the, a darkness retreat. And in the darkness retreat, I was in a room for 108 hours alone in total pitch black. And it's, uh, I've been on plant medicine journeys and done a lot of self-discovery that way. But this was the rawest version of myself that I've ever met, which was why I went. I wanted to like lift the hood, see who I was when I didn't have a phone, a support system. And there was no one there but me.
0: So you're just, I've actually heard of these. um, You're in a room by yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In dark. Yep. Nobody
0: comes in like once a day to check on you. They
1: come in and they they give you food 24 hours a day and then you ration your food. And I just cut everything out. No sugar, living off whatever there was from the land, no more supplements. I was microdosing before, like just cut everything off. It's like, who are you? You've, I've done crazy things. I did a bike ride and a run around Iceland for nine days, which was 800 miles. And I constantly felt like I was always testing myself. Like mm. I know who I am. My mind is really strong until the pandemic hit when we all had to stay still, and I was like, actually, I have no idea who I am. I just hide behind fitness. I hide behind momentum. I hide behind all these things. So whenever I had this space in my life when it felt right. Cause I'd heard about the darkness retreat for a long time and it was always sounded intriguing to me, but never intimidating yeah. as hell Yeah, for where sure. I
0: sit here today. I hear you and a few other people that I know that have done this. and I'm like, what? Yeah,
1: it was wild. It was a crazy thing. And my intention going in was I want to know who I am. I want to lift the hood and I can be the rawest version of myself. I'm alone in the mountains. I can fucking lose my mind if I need to, to refine myself again. And that's quite literally what I did. I was to say,
0: you lost your mind, oh, didn't you?
1: I lost my mind. There, there was sadness. There was anger. There was happy. There was gratitude. But overall, I came out with just this obscene amount of gratitude and self-love and like awareness of the present, which was, I got cracked open and softened. And literally, we can't do the math because who knows, but it's probably one or two days when I got home, I got pregnant. And it was like, whoa, okay. Like I needed to stop trying because before I went in, it was like, you know what? I'm done trying. Like, who cares? If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it's doesn't it doesn't. But in my mind, I was like, we're not having kids. And I almost came p- to peace with that. Mm. But I was really not at peace with that. Just mm-hmm. told myself it was. So when we went in, I got pregnant as soon as I got out. And it was like, okay, like, all right, we're doing this. So yeah. it was uh, planned. We wanted a kid, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't scheduled. Let's just say that. Dude. We weren't not trying. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. That's crazy. What
0: are your, like... Standouts from so gratitude is your primary thing that you walked away with. Um, is there anything else that occurred during that journey that's like a standout for you that you're like, I experienced this and this was for pretty sure. wild
1: for sure? I think we all have a perception of reality based on the story that we tell ourselves, right? Yeah, there's like not. There's no one, there's no truth. It's just your version of the truth. Mm -hmm. And so I think from childhood, I had a lot of anger and resentment towards certain people in my family when I went and I have this, which we all do. We have these mechanisms in our mind that will protect us, right? So sometimes we forget or we only remember what we want to remember. Mm -hmm. And so when I was in there, I was having like the craziest memories that had been so suppressed. And what I thought had happened was not actually what had happened, if that makes sense. So I had attached a story to my assumption without really having the conversation or equipped when I was younger to have the correct communication tools. And so when I got out, there was a lot of uncomfortable conversations and realizations of like, we get to choose how we remem- remember. If we look for the bad, we're going to find the bad. But if we can try and find the good, we can rewire our minds and we can re redefine what we think is the truth or not. Mm. And so I came out with like this like, wow, like I'm not angry. I'm so grateful. And it was this constant pattern of I thought it was because I wanted attention, which I did a lot of dumb shit when I was younger. And it was, you know, in hindsight and respect to my family, it was like it was what we needed to do at the time. My parents never didn't pay attention to me, but they had other things going on in their life that needed their attention more. And so I took that as in, like, no one wanted me. And then I went out and became rebellious, trying to seek attention in a negative way. Then I find fitness, and then I try and seek attention in a positive way, but that was detrimental to my health and my body and my just being in too much pain. And I was like, wait a second. I'm not angry at this thing of wanting attention. I'm going to evolve that attention into recognition, and because of that personality trait is why we live the life that I live today. I'm so grateful for that piece of me, not hateful if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, there are so many parallels that you say there along with like we, I'm sure our upbringings are very different but a lot of those are parallels and it is such an interesting thing to come to a place of understanding huh you seem to have these things that you choose to do that or, you know, you walk into a room and you want everybody to love you or whatever, you know, you want to, but you want to love everybody back. Mm-hmm. And so like, if you can reframe the relationship with, okay, if this is just kind of how I've like literally behaved my whole life, then how can I use this thing for good totally. and, and just shed a bunch of light on a bunch of people oh, as yeah. best as possible. Yeah. Um,
1: the oh, Why am I the way I am? Like feeling sorry for yourself. It's like, no, look at that trait. That's yeah. one of your, that's the most beautiful part of you you figured out a way to make it something positive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's something that in, in recovery as well, we talk about character defects and character assets. And the reality is that like a, like a, a coin, um, when I'm in a good spiritual condition, personally, maybe it's a character asset. And if I'm not doing so great, maybe it's a character defect. There are mm-hmm. two sides to that coin. And sometimes it lands over here and sometimes it lands over here. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's not. So, um, but that's okay. Cause they can coexist.
1: Totally. Okay.
0: So. For pregnancy, you become pregnant, and you are a fitness professional, and your world revolves around you are this fit human, and so uh, what was that
1: like? That was wild. I remember when I got pregnant, as much as I've gotten a bunch of certifications and done workshops and studies and read all the books, I've never really focused on prenatal fitness because I never really had to. I used to tell everyone they would come to the gym to listen to what their doctor would say, but it would fascinate me. Because every doctor would say something different. So I was like, I wonder what I'm going to do when I get pregnant. And I just quit trying to figure it out. So I went to Molly uh, I think it's Gabrieth is how you spell her last name with Girls Gone Strong. Uh-huh. And I got my cert. So I got my prenatal certification and I learned all about the body and and really a different approach to it. Because there's a lot of myths that you should stay on bed rest. And it's like, actually, that's the worst thing you could possibly do for yourself. Um, exercising, including strength training, is going to be extremely beneficial for throughout your pregnancy. And to prepare you to lug this little thing around all the time, you know. So yeah. I learned about it, designed a prenatal program, which I was super proud of because I got to film it while I was pregnant, selfishly just documenting that stage of my life as well. But it was one of those things we have to put tunnel vision on and make the best decision for what you think is right from the research that you've done and what fits for you and your journey. And I think... What I have learned and what I will say is there is no right or wrong way. There's just the way that feels more aligned with you. Mm. And I think that knowledge is king. And that's such a cheesy thing to say, but the more knowledge you have, the better decision you can make and so I did a lot of research I was cold plunging I was working out every day I was doing all the things that people say you're gonna kill your child sure like just horrible horrible things you it's know? insane
0: I mean of course just the the noise on the internet but thankfully you've had good exposure so it's not like foreign to you but this was different because yeah. now like this has to feel very different whereas when you were putting quote-unquote yourself in danger it's like cool it's me right go away right and then whenever someone tries to make an attack at you that now you're putting something that you care the most about totally. in danger it's like excuse me like that so was it was detaching from those narratives that were inevitably coming at you was that hard to do
1: yeah for sure and I'm there's like it go it was there was extremes of that like the coal plunging I didn't just do it I did my research but no one asks you that right I reached out to Um, a scientist that has been cold plunging. She's connected with Wim Hof's daughter that also cold plunged throughout her pregnancy, trying to understand what the risks would be because there just aren't enough studies. Mm -hmm. And after doing my research and connecting with her, I felt comfortable enough to continue doing what I had already been doing. It's not Mm -hmm. like I just started to cold plunge out of the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. I decreased the temperature, sorry, increased the temperature, decreased the time and just did what felt right. And I believe that our bodies are the best warning signs and tools that we have. To listen and to feel to and I'm so in tune with my body that Mm -hmm. if something felt off I wouldn't do it you know if I Mm -hmm. felt like the baby was moving I wouldn't do it like it was it was very much for resilience and mental health that I think it was the positives and pros outweighed the cons Mm -hmm. and the cons were really not that much because just a little bit of a pin in this situation so people don't go wild when they hear this but it takes a lot to decrease your internal body core temperature right like people that stand outside and shovel snow which you have to do because it's part of life you have more of a chance of decreasing your core temperature that way than sitting in a a cold bath for 30 to 45 maybe 60 seconds Mm -hmm. a few times a week you know so I never got to the point where I was hypothermic that would have been bad but whenever we get in a cold plunge blood leaves our heart and goes to our extremities right Mm -hmm. sorry it leaves our extremities and goes to our heart Mm -hmm. well it's can my most important organ my body is considering as a child so all my blood was going straight there it's not like I was staying in long enough that it would be a serious effect so there's a lot of research that you do and things that you find out and then you make your decision and yeah you have to silence the noise but there was this one that I had to like lean on which wasn't from a stranger but it was from that same voice in my head of like okay when you put yourself in a situation that could be risky or dangerous you're the one at risk I have no idea what it's like to birth a child. I've no idea what it's like to grow a child. I've never done this before. So I can't say I'm a practitioner, which is what I take pride in and why I do all the other shit. But I was going to home birth. And I was so convinced that I wanted to do it that way. That just felt super aligned for me. It was a lot to do with the hospital birth that I didn't feel 100% comfortable with or the way that um, medical intervention can occur, which just doesn't really align with my thought processes or my philosophy. And... So I found myself a midwife that was going to deliver at my house. But as you know, you've driven here, like we live kind of out here. Mm-hmm. Hospital not just right around the corner. My mm-hmm. hospital is in fact a 30 minute drive. And so I kept, every time I was dropping into meditation, I kept having these doubts. And I was like, you know what? If there's an ounce of doubt with this, it's not it. So I decided last minute to not have my baby at home, which is funny because I almost did. And then do it in a hospital instead.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it that just speaks to me to like that, like that is such an individualized journey. And, oh, and yeah. I love that, uh, that like I've just been taught like the, what I think is right is just what I think is right just for me. You know, what totally. I, you know I don't know what's right for anybody else. So it's kind of no. like freeing. Yeah. But okay. So you're also, you know, you've always been in like peak level. Um, and, and what's so funny is of course you're in your body. So you're like, I understand you perceive it that way. And then I'm over here, you know, doing whatever I do, but like, the attachment to the identity of physically, this is what this thing looks like. And it's quite stellar. And even if you always want to make improvements or whatever, like you have to then go, okay, I am beyond, I know, like, I don't know what's going to happen here. Yeah. I know that things are going to change dramatically, uh, internally and externally. And so from a public perception per usual, from my opinion, you navigated that with grace Thank and you, you continue to navigate that with grace and both showing yourself compassion and also just kind of having some fun with it. But was that hard?
1: Yeah, so hard. And it's all control. I thrive in control. That's just who I am. It's a negative part of me, but also a great quality that I admire. But when it comes to being pregnant and going into motherhood, you don't have any control yeah. over absolutely anything. And I think the reason why we're pregnant for nine, 10 months is so that you get a small dose of that reality so you don't just get fucking shocked the shit out of you when you have the baby, right? Because then it's now you realize you really don't have any control. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) it was really hard because I, that's my identity. I'm an athlete. I am a high performer. I squeeze the orange dry every single day. My Mm -hmm. energy levels above par. I am so driven. Like all of these things, they've been just my MO for the last 10 10 years you know yeah Yeah. and so whenever things start to happen my energy levels were dropping um I felt really like I was failing right it's like I had to shift that mindset it's like it's not a failure you're doing so much but in a different way my body started to change drastically so quickly people were like see she was definitely on steroids look what happens when she stops It's like no I wasn't hormones are crazy and then you have to silence that noise and there's so many things that come up um Mm. But there was a lot of moments, I think I wrote about it once, of like sitting on the floor and just sobbing and crying and seeing even now like cellulite and skin, like I've always been, it's been very, not effortless at all, but it's been very normal for me to be at a low body percentage and always have abs and always have definition and whether or not we want to admit it, like I think that every fitness professional has some form of body dysmorphia and whenever you're pregnant, you don't get to pick and choose what happens right and that was a big big shock and still is now because of the hormones that are running around my body from the choice of breastfeeding which of course that's the priority but with that means that I'm going to hold on to more body fat than I would typically like I can't diet and eat whatever I want you know because I have to nourish my body to feed my child Mm -hmm. and understanding that that is more important to me than the aesthetic I'd be lying to say that that that's easy yeah because I have a choice right I could just stop breastfeeding but I know, and the research I've done from not doing that—it's like why? That's the most selfish decision to make. So, yeah. constantly having to check in and, and check myself with that has been interesting. But yeah. once you can switch the mindset of like, whoa, the human body is insane. Yeah, like I grew a child. <laughs> When I look at this baby, I'm like, "Wait, yeah. what? Your eyelashes, like yeah. your nails, like your skin? What the fuck? It's like, mind-blowing for real." Yeah, I just got to meet
0: him. World, <laughs> <laughs> <Girl. laughs> I just got to meet him, and literally, he's just gazing at me. He's yeah. just so freaking cute, and I'm just like, I can only imagine what that's like if that's it's actually so yours, wild. because it's captivating, and I'm not even like involved. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it is such a wild experience, and you can't even explain it. You just, it's wild.
0: Yeah, so. Okay, so I have a question about like resources because of course, like you said, like you were not doing prenatal research until you were prenatal. And so then all of a sudden, and this is the common theme that you hear. And to be honest, like from my perspective, I want to have kids at some point would be a goal that I would like to, you know, have come to fruition. I'd like to find a partner first, things like that. You know, like this is not a tomorrow (laughs) thing for me. Um but highly advised. Yeah. Oh, I like (laughs) I want to do all of those things. And I believe that I will whenever, you know, whenever the time's right. Anyway, so uh what were some resources that were standouts to you um but okay wait before we go there i also just want to touch on the body dysmorphia thing and um fitness professionals body dysmorphia here's something that i would just like to point out that i think is so cool um coming into the fitness space professionally over the last year coming to understand that that is seems to be very true uh sometimes i get feedback about like from other fitness professionals about how i carry myself and they're like you seem very confident and whatever. And it's like, um, because I'm making a cognizant choice that like, how dare I speak poorly to myself, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that has to be a continuous choice, but like, I want to uplift these other women, Mm -hmm. like, like desperately want to do so. And so if I'm going to uplift you, I cannot treat myself in that way. Mm -hmm. And so we always want to strive to get better and whatever else. But at the end of the day, there are certain aspects about my physique that maybe are not like, um, like I've never had a shredded core or things like that. Right. And I actually am like, I kind of love it. Like I kind of love it, which if it ever gets that way, that's cool. And if it never does, that's cool. And I think that that's just like, I just want, um, man, when these bodies are super capable, we just should be really proud of them. So very random tangent off, but no, I think this adds to that
1: too. Whenever we begin or what I, we have this saying of find your reason, right? Yeah. Everyone always comes in of like, I want to lose this much weight. I want to do, I want to look good in my bikini. I want to fit in my wedding dress. Like these are all real and I'm not discrediting any of those sure. goals or these reasons to show up. But once you're in it for a little longer, they don't get you out of bed when you don't want to get out of bed. They don't make you do the things that you don't want to do when, when you need to do them in order to reach your goals. And I think the ones that stand out for all of us the most are the ones that are far deeper than that, right? Mm-hmm. It's like an intangible goal that is not an aesthetic-based goal. And mm-hmm. those are the reasons that I keep showing up. You know, this makes me a better person. Uh, I want to have inner strengths that will tra- translate and make me more resilient. All of these other reasons and goals are far more sustainable totally. than trying to look good naked. Yeah. You know, it's like how you well, how you can feel versus how you look. Yeah. It gets to a soul level is what totally. that makes me think of. Is totally. It
0: definitely just gets deeper and deeper. And now it's like, okay, but my soul enjoys this, not yeah. just like this, you know, external validation. Um, Okay, so resources. Resources. Girls
1: Gone Strong. Okay. GGS. Um, It's an um, Molly along with a bunch of different athletes and PTs and um, OBGYNs and midwives all got together. And I just admire an athlete giving me advice on what I should do as an athlete versus even my doctor, which is a whole other Whole other conversation. I chose her, which I questioned. Why did I choose her? If I kept having this thought in my mind, but she was like didn't agree with a lot of the things that I was doing. And I'm so grateful that I listened to my own intuition, stronger than her advice. And um, there's a lot of doctors that it's not because they want bad for you. They ju- it's just an ignorant thing, you know what what they learned maybe in school. 10, 15 years ago is not what the studies are showing today. So totally. there's so much benefit. So girls mm-hmm. and strong is, is a really great resource. I love
0: it. Yeah. Okay. So that's, we'll put that in the description, but, and that's cool too. Cause you did, that was a concise answer. They were like, Hey, this, this is basically like a cohort of all these people yeah. that are under this umbrella. So just go to the umbrella and then you can find all the stuff. Yeah. Um, that's great. And I do, I do just love There is this, like this, it's uh, almost like a hockey stick that's happened with like, um, Pregnancy and Mm -hmm. fitness Mm -hmm. and how what we've seen recently with Tia Claire Toomey, you know, and obviously that's going to be the the peak, right? Because that's the fittest woman on earth in that sport. And then the way that she's performing during her pregnancy is more than most will in their entire lives. And that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so that would be the the far, far end. Right. Right. But then there's everything down the line. And I love that you're like, Hey, I, I chose these people because they were athletes and I'm an athlete. And I think another cool thing is, if you're someone who practices fitness in any capacity, like you do get to identify as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And I don't know how many years I showed up to gyms just being like, I'll never be, I'm not, you know, and today I go, totally. no, 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 I am, I you know, am, yeah. but if you're showing up to a gym consistently, you're working out, whether you have an athletic background or not, like you do get to identify as an athlete, wherever you're at in your journey, you do get to For identify sure. that way.
1: And I think that's important to mention too, like there is not one rule fits all. Yeah. So whenever I did, The Girls Gone Strong is a certification, so most people wouldn't want to do that. But I base my prenatal program that I created and launched off this certification, which is catering to three different levels. So like a level one would be someone that has been working out once a week for three months. And then we go all the way up to an elite athlete. And the rules are very different Mm. depending on where you're at in your journey. So it caters to everyone, but just knowing that the um, importance of staying strong and healthy and fit during pregnancy far outweigh any other advice that you could get
0: so it sounds like to me then another resource because of course I have questions about like what did you do to change up your training and uh you know are there any favorite noteworthy modifications it sounds like most of that can probably be found literally within what you released
1: yes so our (laughs) gym was called pump fit club Uh and I have to give credit where credit is due and Paolo was like whenever you're pregnant we're gonna release a bump fit program so it's called bump fit yeah and I take you through the first trimester second trimester and third trimester and I also give permission that we switch mindsets. I was an all or nothing girl and it's an all or something or something or nothing, you know, hang on. Something is better than nothing mindset. Yes. And it is very much catered to like, if you get through just the warm up today, like that's okay. There's a lot of body positive affirmations that we go through every day. And it just really helps you understand your body throughout pregnancy and also doing like the things that matter. Like you would be so surprised on, How much offset carries are a part of the program because you have a baby on one hip and you're carrying a car seat on the other side and you're breastfeeding, so you're hunched over. So there's a lot of upper back exercises. There's stuff that we do throughout the pregnancy that's not only going to help you through your pregnancy, but help you be a mother in the strongest version that you can be once the baby arrives.
0: You come at it from the perspective of a functional? Never. (laughs) (laughs) Never. I love it okay so that's cool so then obviously what we'll throw that in the description too but I think we'll just cap that there because they're gonna get access to all that stuff there unless there's anything else you want to specifically touch on then we'll just move right along to postpartum let's do it how you be healing
1: oh shit (laughs) (laughs) it was wild labor itself I uh it was wild I made the decision to personally go unmedicated and just for the record everyone says a natural birth and I learned the hard way or the right way I guess is natural birth is like offensive to say meaning that natural is unmedicated is the only way which means natural which is not true natural is whatever is best for the mom whether that be c-section whether that be medicated whatever feels right for the mom is the natural way and it's like if you didn't go natural then you failed Mm. so we like to call it unmedicated so i didn't take anything but a high five and a plastic comb like a hair comb like for real that's what you for real for real, I oh, was sweet girl. Oh man, it was. Wait, wild. so
0: there was no epidural.
1: No epidural. No pain meds. Nothing.
0: How do you feel about that?
1: I feel really proud. Like I like to do hard things, I, and I was just so curious on what the human body can do. And, and I mean, we're literally made for this. Yeah. Women are made to create life and we've been doing this for so many years since the beginning of time and they didn't have fucking epidurals back then and i'm obsessed with our ancestral traits and what we've done over time and how we've evolved and i'm sure that are that many reasons why medical intervention has come in that are extremely beneficial and i want to make sure that i say that from the get-go and i wasn't in the place of like i want to go to a field and give birth alone right i wanted to be in a hospital. And only have medical intervention if it was necessary, right? Like legitimately, if it was medically necessary, I would have done anything if it meant it was going to help make sure that I'm healthy and my baby's healthy, but I don't really want any intervention until we reach a point that I need that. And I had a low risk, really healthy and easy, actually. People probably hate me from saying that, but really great journey while I was pregnant. No pain, no symptoms, no morning sickness, um... The only thing I did have was rhinitis where I was congested, which is really interesting, inflamed uh, mucous membranes. Um, but I didn't have any back pain, no ligament pain. Like it was a smooth ride as far as the pregnancy went. So I was in the green light to, to refuse medical intervention. So I did that. And I also got myself a doula where I wanted to have her with me to help me go through a more one-on-one connected experience because when you're in the hospital, you have changeover of staff, et cetera, et etc., so I studied hypnobirthing, which is where you try and hypnotize yourself um, and take yourself into it and break the pain cycle, which is fear, creates tension, tension creates pain. Yeah. It's like this cycle. Which totally.
0: Is and that's applicable outside of her. Totally. Yeah. For
1: everything. Yeah. And I've done this before where I've been in extreme amounts of pain and I've been able to like distract my mind from what's really happening. And then the performance was just so much greater from there on out, just like in a CrossFit workout, right? Whether it's an ultra, running, cycling, mm-hmm. a seven minute workout, it doesn't matter. If you focus on the pain, it's going to hurt more. Yep. So I took that, which I've already tested in fitness and wanted to see if it was applicable in birth. It is, but let me tell you, <laughs> there is nothing quite like labor. <laughs> it's the most, I don't even know if pain is the right word, I think it's called – it's just the most intense feeling or sensation that I have ever experienced, ever experienced. Like I did a 828 miles around Iceland on a bike running in nine days. That's like a fucking walk in the park compared to birth. And my experience was very on brand. It was extremely intense. Mm. It happened – it was like a pressure cooker. People might think it's good, but I went into labor Um, it's a really long story. Do you want to hit? Well, not really that long, but do we want to go over the labor story? Let's do it. Okay. So I got myself a doula because I wanted to stay home longer than if I was just going to go straight to the hospital, still give birth in the hospital, go when you got to go, but not quite. I didn't want to spend too much time inside of a room with fluorescent lights and people asking me questions all the time. I wanted to go into my body and really feel it and be at peace and just have this like private sacred time of myself and my child before he came into the world. And so I wanted to stay home a little longer. And my pain threshold may be a little too far uh, above average, let's just say. And Paola keeps saying that ha- that hurt you with this because it was fucking nuts. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was this. I always I like to say that we howled at the moon, and that's why the baby came so quickly because it was a su- full moon, supermoon, the blue moon that happened on August 31st, right? Mm-hmm. He was born that day. But I went to bed on the Wednesday, which was the 30th. We went to a soccer game. I we went on a three-mile hike that day. Like, didn't think that the baby was coming. And then I went to bed and I was like, "Oh, like I'm feeling something that's happening here. But I don't think it's much because I'm able to like separate it and the pain dissipates. So I went to bed. I don't, wouldn't say I went to sleep, but I was able to rest. And I didn't feel like I was in labor because they say when you're in active labor, it's just like this um, increasing ladder that you're never, you're never able to come back down. You just continuously get more intense as you go. Mm. I was like, well, mine's kind of like, up and down peaks and uh, valleys, like I don't think that I'm there yet. So I went to bed, but there was a little bit of fluid that came out. I was like, don't know if I just pee myself. I'm not really sure what's happening at this point. All kinds of weird shit happens when you're pregnant. And my doula said the next day, if I was you, I would go get checked because you do want to have a natural birth or an unmedicated birth uh-huh. that we need to do everything we can to naturally get you like induced without taking um, any drugs, right? To help you get there. Sure. So I went in, they swabbed my hoo-ha to see if there was amniotic fluid and there wasn't. And so they allowed me to go home. So this is like timestamps. Check into the hospital at 12.30. PM. I, PM. I'm two centimeters di- dilated, which I was a week prior in my one of my visits. And I also refused like cervix exams for some reason. I just felt like, why fucking touch it? If when the baby's ready, the baby's going to come, you know? Yeah. So had the first one, two centimeters, go to the hospital on the Thursday de- midday, still two centimeters. So I'm like, cool, go home. And on the way home, I was like, oh, fuck, like there's a feeling here that I haven't felt before. Then it, for the first time in my mind, I was like, wait, should I have stayed in hospital? I don't know. Anyway, go home, call my doula. She comes over. They say run a bathtub, like immerse yourself into warm water. Right. So I did that. And the, the pain was really bad, like probably like six or seven or the sensation was really bad. And then it just like dissolved again. So I was like, oh, this is something that I'd studied about, which is called prodromal labor, which can last for two weeks sometimes where your body tells you you're in labor, but it's not real. It's like a fake labor. You have the contractions. They're consistent, but then they go away. There's so much to this. There's so much to it. Oh my gosh. Okay. as well. And then I'm in the bathtub. Doula comes over. Now it's like 4 p.m. And by the time she leaves, I'm having full-blown conversations. I'm fine. Everything's good. She's like, girl... I'll either be back tomorrow and the next day or maybe in a week from now, but just call me if you need me to come over. I'm like, cool. She leaves. It's like, she had this magic energy. As soon as she left, shit went fucking nuts. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? The dial just cranked up big time. And then it's like five, four thirty-five. by the time she left. Then I'm in bed. Like, I, all the books tell you that if it's your first baby, labor's going to be a long time, and to prepare yourself, stay hydrated, stay nutrition. The books say
0: that, but I keep talking to people that don't say that. Yeah, mm. and I think
1: it's something to do. If it's fitness people, I really think it's something to do with that. Okay. Mm. So then it's like six o'clock. I'm like going through it. It's getting worse. I have my plastic comb because that's trying to break the the cycle of fear tension pain fear tension pain so i'm trying to break break that cycle by distracting the feeling like whenever you go to get an injection and you like squeeze your hand on the other side to try and distract yourself right got it maybe crazy but it worked um and then shit got real And it was crazy. And I was like trying to ignore it. I was going into deep states of meditation until I couldn't. And then I got in the shower and I was, and that's like primal, like growling. It's like exorcism noises coming out of your body. And it's like you don't have control. It's just these fucking noises. Okay, hold on. Where's Paolo? He's right there. And he's trying his hardest to keep his cool. He's like, and he's a doer. So he's like, all right, what do we need to do? I (laughs) it's actually hilarious. So Paolo's like, okay. This is like you doing and We've got to keep you fueled. Let me get some nutrition in you. He's like, here, eat this. This is really good. It's going to be great. Stay hydrated. And at one point, like, the contractions come up and then they go away, right? Mm-hmm. So you're like psycho, then you're normal. Psycho, then you're normal, right? So I was having a psycho moment and Paolo's in the room with this bowl and he's scraping the bowl to try and get me a mouthful. And I look at him like the fucking devil. I'm like, stop! <laughs> like, don't, don't breathe. Just fucking, just stay there. Like, you know, I just I'm crazy stuff. So. And he's like freezing. He literally has no idea what yeah, to do. I know, I know what to do. I love. Oh my gosh, I haven't had a ton of exposure to him, but he's just the sweetest soul. He really is. He's like, how can I help? You know, it's like, don't. You can't help. And then it's like, hi, oh, babe. I think I'm okay. Like, just absolutely such polar experience. Um, and then it probably got to 7.38 and I was like, okay, like this is serious. I need to take a shower. I need to get back in water. I'm in, I'm in the shower, hand against the wall. I'm like, oh my gosh, rocking back and forth, allowing the water to just get me, try and calm me down. It has to be going, getting later by now. It has to be like eight. I'm trying to bounce on the ball. I'm trying everything. And then I finally put my hand down there and I'm like, oh my God, I think I feel his head and he's on the phone with my doula and my doula's like I'm 30 minutes away I'm like I don't have 30 minutes there's no way like and then you get this sensation of you just want to push whenever it's time and i was doing everything in my power to not push to like s- keep breathing and she was like you need to call an ambulance like you, this is happening way too quick this is like a matter of like 3 hours right she's like this is happening too quick you're going to hemorrhage like this isn't good i'm not there I know Mike, I wasn't comfortable without having someone that knew something about fucking babies in the room while this is happening in case something went wrong. Right. And so we called an ambulance ambulance came in and they're like, yep, you're going to have this baby. They're giving my mom, my mom was at the house, but I didn't want her around. And then as soon as this was happening, I was like, get my mom in here right now. And she's like, calmly on the phone with the ambulance they're like i need you to wash your hands i need you to go get some sheets there's a very good chance you're gonna be catching this baby and it was like what is happening so then it was kind of like panicky because like okay this is not what i thought the books were wrong so wrong for real and we got to the hospital it took us 30 minutes to get there and he was born within 10 to 15 minutes of us being in the hospital (laughs) three pushes but because all of this happened really quickly you asked me how am i healing i had a severe tear like it was pretty intense like it was not fun at all and I was not numb so I felt everything yeah yeah so really uh, wild experience
0: girl that is wild yeah. that, okay so I have two nephews and I wasn't I think my, hopefully my sister here we go love you sis uh she'll be fine with it I was in the room for both births and I was not ever like I've never been somebody who's interested in medical anything um like I I, I anyway. I don't like um, bodily fluids, things like that, right? It's just not really my vibe. <laughs> anyway, and so I like get trapped in this room. On, and on the second one, we knew that I was going to be in there. The first one wasn't the plan. The thing happened so literally, you say three pushes? I think it was three. I was like, wait a second, I just blinked, and that baby is in the room. That's nuts. How like, was, like, was the same way? He was like, craziest what the fuck? This thing. is it.
1: That's it. What do you mean the baby's coming now? Like, he couldn't believe it either wild
0: and uh okay so
1: so the healing I by the way I love this story I love getting to
0: know the details of like the scraping of the bowl and the whatever because it's just real human stuff um and I love that you can you remember those details that's just like fun I journaled
1: all about it too like the day of the birth so I could never forget this because I think it is just so epic dude
0: (laughs) wild okay so What, let's see here. I just, I have a bunch of questions and I just kind of want to figure out what I want to narrow down to, but, uh, so, so healing is going okay.
1: Now it's different, but I will say that that was something that I was not ready for. Like I could not sit down. I couldn't stand up like I couldn't walk and just imagine being so immobile when you're the most mobile highly functioning person usually and you're having to like take care of this child and that was a big mind fuck because I couldn't do what I needed to do so I had to keep asking for help and that's not something that sits well with me like I want to be the provider I want to be the mother of this child but right now like physically it was just super super excruciating and I wasn't ready for that Mm -hmm. so that was one thing that was really challenging and then of course that led to having a longer amount of time before I could actually move my body and movement is like my therapy and it's what I need for my mental health as well and all these changes are happening and the one familiar tool that I have I can't use. Cold plunging is also a great way for me to work on that side of myself. I couldn't do that. Like there were so many things that I rely on and that I lean on as these like coping mechanisms that I couldn't lean on because they were just not an option. So that was really hard and more of a mind fuck than anything but I would say by like I was trying to, and I was pushing it. That's just what I do, you know. Walking too soon, and trying to go on the treadmill to move my body, and like trying to stretch, and ooh, quickly realizing like don't do that. And I kept learning the hard way, and then finally I surrendered to the whole thing and just totally let my mum mother me, and I did what I could, what I could, and allow Paolo to get involved and um, more than I probably would have if I could do everything. Mm-hmm. Cause it just wasn't an option, and and I just softened and surrendered into like accepting help is okay. Like yeah. you need to right now to be the best parent that you can be. And I took off. I didn't move my body. I didn't work out until at least six weeks.
0: Wow. Gosh. Yeah. For you, that's such a long duration of oh time. Gosh. So, so you weren't able to access the tools that you realistically for the majority of your life are going to have access to, which yeah. is wonderful. Um, you know, most likely. So What did you find, what were the moments that were useful? Like you take away my cold plunge, you take away my fitness. Um, What did bring you some peace?
1: Breathing breath work and not even meditation because the chances of finding the right pocket of time to meditate, it would almost become more frustrating because as soon as I would like drop in and get there, baby's crying, someone needs me, I got to feed. It was like, this is really frustrating. So just breath work. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was not only was it helping me connect back to my pelvic floor, which was what I needed because it's just like totally turned off, but it was giving me peace and down-regulating my central nervous system and putting me into a totally different Uh, train of thought you know and like keeping calm so that was it and journaling but not writing in my peaceful moments that I used to have it was more like voice notes and and reading whenever I could
0: yeah. That's, those are such useful tools. The, the breathing thing is something that's so popular here in Austin yeah. that I had had zero exposure to prior to living here. And I will say my favorite resource for that is the book Breathe by James Nestor yep. that you've probably Great read. Uh, but for anybody who's like, well, I don't live in Austin. Well, you don't have to live in Austin. You can read that book. It's phenomenal. But a lot of people practice it here. Yeah. So you get exposure to it, which is really cool. But that's been a really cool one. Then of course, reading physical books is something over the last couple of years I've come become quite fond of. And so when I think that's something I always think about is, you know, your meditation got taken away, your fitness got taken away. And like, so mind you, most of the time you get access to your tools and you get to use them and that's wonderful. But who are you when you don't have access to those tools? Like, can you still show up well if your tools have been taken away some of them and which ones can you use? You know, it's always just an interesting thing to think about. For example, like if I didn't get the opportunity to like pray and meditate and do whatever I want to do in the morning, um, that doesn't mean that I get to be an asshole today just because of that. Totally. But I think it's
1: almost like a muscle. Mm. The bigger you build that muscle and the times that you don't have access to those tools, it will take so much time for that strength to go away, but you've still got some. And then hopefully at some point you can implement something that can build again, build again, build again. But it's like almost like a sand timer, you know? And I can feel that now and I go through these stages and whenever it's time and I like get to that point of like, okay, my sand time is almost empty. I communicate to my team, which is my family. Like I need a moment and then I go and the baby isn't with me and I don't have to be, Giving my entire self to someone else, but I get to go give myself to myself for a sec and then I recharge, I come back. And then it's just like this constant cycle, but communication and having the tools. Like, if I didn't have the tools prior to pregnancy and I hadn't done, I think timing is beautiful and that's the reason why we didn't get pregnant. I just wasn't ready for it. But all of the things that I've learned and all the resilience that I've built through fitness, through everything else, has prepared me today. Like, frustration is not something that occurs in my day to day. Like, it can't, you know, but that is the only person I was when I was 20, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like learning. And I think something happens in our mind at mid twenties as well. That kind of shuts that part of yourself down. Um, Reading about the brain is freaking fascinating by the way, especially when it comes to a child, but really understanding yourself so that you can prepare to be a parent is, is I think really important.
0: It definitely speaks to the fact I've always uh, since meeting you and every time we've interacted since then, of course, I'm like, yeah, you're just like a bright light and that's true, but I mean, I've want Well, but yes, but it's so true. But you're also also calming um so i got the opportunity to go to your event however many months ago for your tribe right and just go be a part of that and support that and that was so fun and i loved watching you with everybody and uh, experiencing it myself but i loved because you inspire me and you gave all of these different individuals who come from all different walks of life, who came from literally different countries, much less states, to be at this event, which is just a weekend with you, and um, which is no small thing. But like, I liked observing it because I was like, you gave these people your attention. You gave them your time, and you were present, and you appeared peaceful, and you appeared to be enjoying it, and you were genuinely curious and interested in them. And like, so... I know that you know that you're inspiring people, but like you're inspiring people. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's cool because I, I look at it and and you show me what's possible,
1: you know? And I think it's important that I do something right now is to pay credit to someone that I saw do that in 2014, which was Jen Wiedestrom. I don't know if you know who Jen Wiedestrom is. She was a trainer from The Biggest Loser, also worked with Reebok when I was involved with Reebok back in the day. And I remember being around her and feeling the same thing that you're describing right now and look even if we went to a fucking Chick-fil-A and the way that she made the people behind the register feel it was like oh wow it gave me chills i was like it's possible to do that for anyone yes and at that point in my mind, I was a nobody. I really wasn't. I, wa- I really was like, no one knew who I was. Yep. It was just coming into this space. And I was like, I never want to lose sight of that feeling that I can see that she's giving to people. I want to be able to do that. Yep. And it's inspiring, not only for the people that get to meet me, but for someone to be able to see that. And I hope that you're able to take that just like I was from Jen and make sure everyone that I come in contact with knows that I'm present and like, mm-hmm. I'm here and I see you. And you are just as important as anyone else in this room. Mm-hmm. And that goes for expos, you know, of being surrounded by some of the most prestigious athletes or influencers or whatever you want to call yeah. them, right? It's like, and it's sickening to see that the person they appear to be online is not who they are in real life. Yeah, And that was common feedback. It's like, I waited in line for three hours to meet X, Y, and Z. And she's really rude. She's really mean. Like, these people have traveled. They woke up at 2 a.m. They drove four hours to get here. They stood in line for three hours. And you're not going to give them the time of day? Like... Mm-hmm. When you say you're so human, like I once was, and I always will be like, right. I, I have to keep myself grounded, yep. surrounded by people that will call me out on my shit. And I think being with Paolo since I was 19 is a big piece of this, right? It's because he knows who I was. He knows who I am now. And he knows who I want to be in the future. And he's my, my pendulum that keeps me centered, you know, it's yeah. like calls me on my shit. It's like, don't be do that. Or he would make me highly aware of it if I started to lose myself. Yeah.
0: Shout out Paula. Hello. I like love. I'm obsessed <laughs> with partnerships. I talk about it all the time, but like successful partnerships. I'm just like, it's really cool to see people do it because it's also really hard work. I can't yeah. even speak to yeah. what the hard work that you guys have chosen mm-hmm. to do in order to keep this thing alive and keep it growing and thriving. Like there's just so much work. Like you said, that year of you guys oh, living yeah. in
1: an RV oh together. <laughs> I'm, you I'm wanna sure get that, that to girl. Can. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, okay. So I do want to round this out. And, um, what's cool is of course you've got a lot of resources for people to, if they don't already know and follow, then they get the opportunity to do that there. And it's a 12 out of 10 recommend from me, but uh, there's a couple of, questions I want to ask that are unrelated to thank you for sharing the journey and the details of that. Like, um, before we came on pod, I was like, I have so many questions. We just need to get on pod because I have so many questions. (laughs) Um, so what is something that you feel like you are doing well that you would like to do better or do more of?
1: Oh, I like that. So I think that through my career, I've always just thrown spaghetti at the wall and hoping that it sticks with either no resource available to like go out there and find someone. I've never been involved with masterminds or having a mentor or paying someone one-on-one, you know, like that's never been my world. But the more and more I reflect and stop and slow down to look at what I've been able to do and create over the years, it would be doing a disservice to not share that with other people. Mm-hmm. So just like fitness, the reason why I do what I do, the reason why you do what you do is because fitness has had an impact in our life in some way, shape or form. And mm-hmm. now it's like a burning desire to be able to share that with other people and, ha- and give that feeling to someone else. Same thing with the Jen Reedus and the passing the light thing. And now I'm like, okay, so if I figured out like a formula of how to do this and I once had zero idea, like I have to be able to share this with people. But what do I struggle with is imposter syndrome. I'm like, who am I to do that? And then I stop and I zoom out and I acknowledge how many copies we've sold, how much money we've been able to make, which is not my driving force, but it's it's, a, it's data, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you have created something that you think that you could share or teach someone else to do, then do it. Mm-hmm. So I've just launched my first course of how to do this and like how to help other fitness professionals increase the value of their time, which is going online, right? And being able to reach the world versus your local community. But uh, I'm putting, I, I put all my effort into it while I was pregnant and now we're in the stages of launching it, That I'm still in that, that voice of like, who am I to do this? Mm-hmm. Do I have the right to do this? Mm-hmm. And, and, but it's the same feeling that I had when I first got into fitness. So that would be it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you know, because you've experienced it before that the only way through it is through it. Yeah. The only way to get to the other side of the imposter syndrome is to do the thing anyway. Yeah. And then you'll be on the other side yep. of it.
1: And there was a little phase in the beginning, in the middle of my career where I started to recognize if I feel this feeling, it means I'm doing something right. Yeah. But I lost sight of that feeling. So now I'm back there again. It's like, okay, you must be doing something right. Just keep going with it. Keep going with it. And I think it's important to share that because yeah. again, it makes us more human, right? It's like I've done all the things and I still, Feel like that
0: totally, <laughs> totally every day. Or you can't even. Well, not, gosh, I can't even imagine with the hormonal roller coaster oh that you've been God. on on the last year. Because literally, I feel like you know, by now, like last year, being a fitness professional and coming in and finally starting to train people, I was like, everybody's gonna know I'm an imposter. And by now, like, <laughs> I don't feel that way. But I will still have like a down day where I'm like, I am a highly motivating individual, and I feel very unmotivated right now, and everybody's gonna know it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. They can see it. Silly. <laughs> um, okay, so what is something that you are doing right now that you would like to do less of?
1: Huh. I feel like especially right now, my season of my life is very different. I'm doing everything I want to do. But I do have guilt attached to that. So I feel like I'm doing it. So I don't want to do uh less or more than it. I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah. But I need to redesign my attachment to it, if that makes sense. Okay. Like, like the the identity that is attached to that. Like I feel like trying to balance being a CEO and having this entire community of people that I feel like I have responsibility to 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 be there and support when now I have a child that needs my undivided attention and trying to balance those two things I'm doing it I only work like two to three hours a day I'm in here and the rest of the day I'm in the house Mm -hmm. but there's there's guilt attached to both I feel guilty when I'm in here because I'm not with my baby and when I'm in there I feel guilty because I'm not giving myself as much as I typically do to my businesses and my community. So I'm like trying to dance through this season. You know, it's very interesting.
0: And what I, what I love is upon hearing that because you are able to articulate that to me and then I can go, huh, okay, that's totally relatable per usual. Uh, In addition to that, you have this beautiful family system in there that is going to take care of things. And then in half tribe, I've met some of your girls yeah. they would they want to do it all they want to yeah. do everything they want to work so hard they you know and so it's so cool because you're here going I feel guilt when I'm not and then all of these individuals around you are going give me the opportunity to. totally and, and so it's the so thing. cool. and
1: it's a control thing yeah which is a very oh. you know <laughs> don't talk to me like that <laughs> <laughs> it's a control <laughs> thing which I'm highly aware of but it's like let it go I, I didn't set up a He tribe ambassadorship program for no reason I have a phenomenal COO. I have people on my team that Probably want more. It's like it's a control thing again on both sides of like trust, trust and surrender, trust and surrender, trust and surrender. And you've set yourself up in a way that it will take care of itself, and you don't have to be so much in control. So it's again the same common theme that maybe one day I'll get to the bottom of Claire. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I think if we experience some friction
0: throughout life, I'm really okay with that. Yeah. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it just reminds you of like how dope the experience is and for it makes sure. all of the good stuff work. Like it's fine. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I accept uh, <laughs> hardship. We get it. You're going to be here forever. Cute. Um, okay. So final question. What is three things that you are grateful for today?
1: Oh man. From a personal level, I journal this every day. I'm so grateful for my drive. I'm so grateful for my husband, my best friend, my homie, my soulmate, my business partner, my everything. And I'm also grateful for the opportunity because life when I lived in England was not anything like life is now mm. and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here in mm-hmm. so many levels right L- physically I'm grateful to be alive and um, for the opportunity to be alive I'm grateful for the opportunity to have it, had a second chance from leaving the UK to be here I'm just grateful for all the opportunity that surrounds us on a daily basis and mm. I think we all should because when we're in the wrong state of mind we think that there's no opportunities for us but we are absolutely surrounded by them so having gratitude and the right perspective to see that they're always there yeah. is a daily reminder for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you feel like things are scarce, they are. And if you feel like they're abundant, they are. That's, that's been a huge thing for me this year. Um, okay. So three things that I'm grateful for real quick. Uh, one I am grateful for. So yesterday I had the opportunity to go train with, um, Tim Kennedy and a bunch of his friends and, and that was just so cool. And like, I'm just like, man, all of these. And and it was like, there was, um, this other training thing going on simultaneously and seeing the athletes in that domain that we're training. I'm just like, so surrounded by inspiration. And I'm just kind of like, this is nuts. Like constantly like this is nuts. And so I feel abundant gratitude for getting to be exposed to these individuals who perform at a high mm-hmm. level. You're on the list for today, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. There you go. You're yeah. the
1: Opportunity today.
0: Yes. Um, I'm also grateful for, uh, the fact that I launched into phase two of 75 hard live hard program. So I've done 75 hard before I did it again this year. And now I'm like living out the live hard program, which I'm not going to lie unless it's happening today. I don't really pay attention. So I don't even know what all's coming, but I've like decided I'm going to do the thing. And so cool. today, Day one of phase two. So I'm grateful for that. And I guess that really just comes out to discipline. I'm grateful yeah. to the understanding that like discipline is a worthwhile endeavor. So I'll do that. And then um, thirdly, I'm just like, I'm just grateful for your time. Oh, it man, is incredibly valuable. And so to get to like come see your home, see your baby, um, and just spend more time with you on a one on one basis is something oh. that's like special for me. The feeling so, is mutual. Thank thanks, you. girl. Thanks, girl. Okay. Where can they find you, support you?
1: On social media, Hannah Eden underscore fitness. And then all the things, my apparel, my training, my app, everything is on HannahEdenFitness.com.
0: Dope. Okay. That will be in the description, guys. So we just want to say thank you for choosing to be here. Your time is incredibly valuable. And we really appreciate the opportunity to share it with you. If you enjoyed this, I have to ask that you would follow the show, rate, review, share with someone that you feel that it will positively impact. And we just hope that you have choose to. Have a beautiful day.
1: That's right. Thank (laughs) you.